We all know that a positive work culture is the heartbeat of any successful organization. It's the secret sauce that fuels creativity, boosts morale, and retains top talent. But how is that work environment cultivated? Enter Human Resources, the architects of workplace harmony and the champions of a positive, vibrant atmosphere where employees feel valued, engaged, and motivated. Today, we're sitting down with an esteemed HR professional to learn more about the influence HR can have on employee well-being. Welcome to The Good Guide to Business, a podcast presented by the Better Business Bureau. The Good Guide is all about conversations with businesses, organizations, and local leaders who are going above and beyond to make our community a better place. So grab a cup of coffee, sit down, and get ready to hear from this episode's special guest, Aaron Spencer, the founder and CEO of Edgebrook Lane Consulting. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's good to be here. Thank you. First, can you talk about your firm, Edgebrook Lane, and how you guys got started? Yeah, absolutely. So we are a fractional human resources consulting firm. So what that means to most people is we either help fully established organizations that already have HR departments with projects or certain initiatives. But a large part of what we do and kind of touching on why we started this was to be able to help small and mid-sized businesses that needed the same thing that larger organizations needed around human resources. It just will look a little bit different. So when you think about human resources, it could be everything from how are we going to bring talent into the organization to developing them while they're there. And if they decide to leave, what does that look like for the organization? So really being a strategic thought partner and sounding board for a lot of business owners and leadership teams when they think about their people within their organizations. Yeah. So um, can you go through some of the services that you offer to businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So most of what we do, um, like many organizations, is they typically come to you with a list of things that they think that they need some help on. And we'll go, that's great, but let us kind of dig in and do a full HR assessment. So around that assessment, we get an idea of what the list of services or things that we need to accomplish. So it's it's everything from, you know, how do we bring talent into the door? So it could be something as simple as employment branding. So what is our look and feel to the community? What kind of talent do we want to attract to some of the not so fun things, which is, you know, job applications, interview questions. Um, and then it's everything from how are we going to integrate them into the organization? So what a lot of people call onboarding. Um, a lot of people think that that's like a one day process and it's not. So it's looking at what does that look like? How can we acclimate them to our culture? How do we do our business? And then other services are things around how to develop their staff. So what a lot of people know is kind of that performance management and what does that look like? Um, and then how are we going to develop them? And then it's also working with the management team. Like, how are they going to provide feedback to their team? And then the not-so-fun stuff, unfortunately, is all the federal and state compliance. So I joke all the time we're underpaid attorneys that get asked <laughs> a lot of, you know, really challenging questions around how does this work in this state and being able to kind of navigate the risk management side of it, too. So we've got to be a lot of times tactical and strategic. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned 
branding as part mm-hmm. of what you do. I don't think that people would assume that that's part of what an HR company yeah. would do. Can you talk a little bit more about yeah, that? Yeah. So when you think about employment branding, what comes to mind for me a lot of times is what is your face to the world for the employees that you're wanting to attract to work on your team? Okay. So a lot of times people, um, when you go to look for a job, like you'll get on a website and you'll read testimonials, you'll read case studies, you'll look at if you're in the creative space, like what's the portfolio or the artwork that they're creating. And if those things don't speak to that team member or potential employee, what are they going to do? They're going to go to the next website. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, so what they're looking for and what we're going to talk about, I know in a little bit is, am I going to fit in here? Do I see myself working here? Do I value what they're doing as the organization? And I think a lot of times, historically, you're advertising or branding for your market or your service or the if you're a nonprofit the mission that you're trying to serve so you're trying to speak to donors and nonprofit situations if you're a small business it's who's going to buy my software who's going to buy my service but a lot of what they need to be doing is can't do any of those things without the talent on your team. So are we attracting those people and what does that look like? Um, another really fun example is how they write um, career advertisements. Like, are they fun and playful or are they serious and staunch and like, this is what we're looking for? And some people, you know, they look at that to decide, is that the right type of environment that I want to be in? And a lot of people don't think about that. They just throw it up on the internet and wait for resumes or applications to come in. But if you really think about how you want to present yourself, you get the talent that you're looking for that kind of matches what you're trying to build as a business. That makes a lot of sense because I do some of the marketing and branding for us. And I know like how to connect with a consumer or with a business. If they asked me to write a job posting on Indeed, I would be clueless. (laughs) So it's really good that, you know, HR companies like yours, they know how to do that. Yeah, but I think it's a good way that we can be a partner with someone like you. So a lot of people don't think about that as like, we might know the job description and yes, there's legal requirements and here are the things that we need to put in there. But can we partner with someone in a marketing department to say, how can we attract talent? Like, what does that need to look like to be able to get the right people into the organization? And there are ways that you can say what you need to say, but say it in a way that feels like it's your own. So that's a really great way where a lot of people don't partner in that way, um, which is just a great example of, you know, show them your culture, integrate your marketing into your recruitment process. That's a wonderful way to be thinking about it. Yeah. So I want to talk about that word you just used right there, culture, right? I think everybody in the business sphere, like employee retention is close to the top of their minds, if not at the top of it. Right. So can you talk a little bit more about how HR is able to help foster a positive work culture and improve employee well-being? Yeah, absolutely. So I think culture is always top of mind for everybody. And I think one of the biggest things is, is if you don't explain what your culture what you want it to be as a leader of an organization, employees make up their own version of that. So if you're not really clear about who you are, where you're going, um, what you're looking for in your team, as you bring in new people or you have what we call turnover or attrition, the culture shifts and things change. So I think everyone's heard this, like we're literally we have jobs because communication doesn't happen like I joke about that all day long like so many people you know you're in business because 
individuals are not communicating well. And culture is a huge part of that. It's how can we communicate who we are, what we do, um, and, and stay true to who you are. I think a lot of people, as they grow or things change, they don't know how to do that. They lose that sense of self and identity. Same thing happens with culture. So I think it's just being really clear about that. And then when you talk about well-being, if you're really clear about who you are and where you're going and you're recruiting talent, like I just mentioned, to come in the door, the employee well-being is going to be wonderful. Like folks are going to be very happy with what they're doing. It's just if you don't describe that sense of self, they're kind of ambling around and they're lost and they don't know what they should be doing or what that looks like. Um, and I think the other thing when we talk about employee well-being is definitely around, you know, what are we doing as an organization to support our team? And I think historically, when you think about human resources, I've been in this over 20 years at this point, but it really started with, um, you know, paperwork and compliance and legal issues and we were so scared as HR professionals and businesses to ask our employees, how are you doing? What's going on outside of work? Because we were so scared that we were going to step in something that was going to be a legal issue. And the tides have completely turned from the standpoint of if we don't care about everyone's aspect of their life, they're not going to bring everything that they can to their job every day because stuff is going on outside of the office. Yeah. So I think really focusing on the whole self is a great, great shift. I wish we were doing a better job. I thought it would get better after COVID. It has, but it definitely didn't move the pendulum as far as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's say like I was a business owner and I came to you guys and said something like, you know, we have a high turnover rate. Like I can tell my employees aren't the happiest they can be. Yeah. How would you guys be able to help me address those problems and possibly like come up with a plan to make things better yeah. well-being wise? Yeah. And I think that it's great. I think the first step is, is that they've identified that they've had a problem. Yeah. So a lot of times we deal with leaders that have no idea. <laughs> They've got, they've got an issue. So I think a lot of times it's focusing on the fact that you've got turnover. Um, and I know we were just chatting a few minutes ago. you got to start to ask questions. Like, are you conducting exit interviews when people are leaving? Are you conducting stay interviews to find out what's making them happy or not? And it's building a rapport with your staff in a safe place where they can start to share with you what's working for them and what's not. And I think what is so hard is that we all come to work and we think it's just work, but if you don't have personal and professional trust, people don't share. So you've got to build a relationship with your staff to get them to tell you what's going well or not well at work. Um, and that affects the culture and their well-being because if you're not getting them to communicate, you can't make it better. You don't know what the problem is. You're shooting in the dark, hoping you're going to solve a problem, but you don't know what it is. It could be, you know, lack of pay that they want, you know, more flexibility in their job and you're making them come in four days a week and that doesn't work for them. So I think a lot of times it's asking questions. It's leaders, managers written communication surveys, despite what everybody thinks, sometimes anonymous feedback is the way to go because that's how people are going to share things. And then making sure you act on it because that's the biggest thing. You can ask the question, 
But if you don't do anything to improve it, their well-being isn't going to improve. So I think it's being prepared to, once you get the feedback, that you're willing to do something with it, which is when the hard work really happens. Yeah. Yeah, right. There's kind of two camps I can think of examples that might be like, ah, we don't need HR. And it's (laughs) one would be like smaller businesses that are new that just don't think they have the space or the money to put into it. And then also older businesses that are maybe still smaller, Mm -hmm. but content with the road that they're on because they've been on it for so long and they think they know how to handle that. Can you maybe talk about those two scenarios and what you would do to try to convince them that you you do need them (laughs) or that they need you? Yeah. And I think um, the one thing we don't try to do is is actually convince them because I think uh, we get asked all the time like what kind of companies do you work with what industry and I say all day long like we're industry agnostic it really doesn't matter what matters is the leader so if they're open to that change those are the ones that we want to talk to so to kind of talk about your first example of that camp of like maybe they're smaller a lot of times it's they're overwhelmed and they're wearing too many hats Or they've got things like what you mentioned, Nick, like they've got turnover and they don't know why. So a lot of times what we'll do is say, look, we don't know until we start to ask questions. So let us come in and start to integrate with your team and ask those questions. And then what we'll do at the end of that is give them an idea of what we think the problems are, the reasons why um, they're struggling with whatever they are. So maybe it's The staff isn't clear on expectations or maybe they don't understand, you know, how I'm supposed to do something that's HR related. So when everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it, that's when a business is successful. So a lot of times that's what we tell smaller business owners is let us come in and ask a bunch of questions Let us give you our professional opinion on the things that we think that you can do better and then give us a runway to be able to help you do that and then know that change isn't going to happen overnight. You've been very accustomed to doing things a certain way for a long time and in order to get a different result, you've got to be trying to do something different, which leads you to the other half of your question with a business owner or an individual that's maybe done things the same way for a really long time. So when those individuals typically come to us, they kind of hit that proverbial glass ceiling with their business, like they're not getting what they want to get out of it. So it could be maybe they're not profitable or their staff's turning over every five minutes or everybody on the leadership team is getting three hours of sleep at night and doesn't have a life outside of work. So they've got to be willing to do something different at the end of the day. So again, it's it's not very different whether you're smaller or you're bigger. You've just got to be open to having somebody like us come in and for lack of a better word, upset the apple cart a little bit, ask some tough questions and really dig in and figure out how we can help. And a lot of times it's just lack of communication and structure. That's so much of what we do in our line of work is just let's make things clear for everybody because everybody's making up their own rules and their own definitions. And then everybody gets frustrated. Let's take a moment to thank one of the sponsors of our show, Activate Good. Are you an individual or business owner looking to make a difference in your community? Look no further than Activate Good. Activate Good specializes in planning and managing employee volunteer initiatives so you can focus on what really matters, your business. With over 100 triangle area businesses under their belt, 
They're experts in team building volunteer projects, both on and off site. Activate Good can even develop a customized annual calendar of service projects and offer a technology platform to manage and track volunteer signups. So why not join the ranks of businesses making a real impact? Learn more about Activate Good at activategood.org. That's activategood.org. So how are some of the ways that maybe these companies are able to foster a better culture from, you know, the inside? Um, You know, talked about increased communication. How does that necessarily look to a company? Yeah, it can be a lot of different ways. So um, sometimes it is those anonymous written surveys. Sometimes it's managers asking questions of their employees. Sometimes it's um, managers of different departments asking employees that aren't their direct reports. Um, A lot of people will also set up like committees or peer groups where the staff will start to ask other colleagues in the office, like, you know, what are you needing and what are you looking for? Because sometimes it's intimidating to talk to people that are on a management team or even talk to people that are in HR. You're more inclined to talk to your coworker and your peer about, look, these are things that I wish that we had that we don't have. Um, And I think The biggest thing is giving people access and opportunity. You can't change anything if you don't ask the question. And I think the other part of it, though, is that when you're ready to ask the question, you've got to be ready to do something with the information. Because a lot of times everybody wants to ask the question, and then they get information back that they don't like. And then what do they do? They put it in a drawer, and they ignore it, and they do nothing with it, which is when culture tanks and employee well-being goes right through the roof or through the floor again. So I think it's just being prepared for if we're going to walk this walk, we've really got to do the work. Yeah. And what would you say to a company or a business that really feels like they can't afford the resources, whether that's money or otherwise for HR? Yeah, I think for me, it's a lot around you're investing in everything else in your business. Why are you not investing in your people? And if you can't, you can't do what you do without your team. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a solopreneur, that's one thing. But, you know, it's, it's different if you've got multiple people on your team. Well, and I think the other thing is, is you can't know everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. I mean, and I think you have to look at what we do like any other relationship that you have with your business. Like folks have, you know... CPAs and accounting partners for things like HR shouldn't be no different and it can be small it doesn't have to be this you know we're not going to come in and ask for some huge exorbitant amount of money but you've got to see value in investing in your people and what your people can do to drive your business and if that's not something that should be a line item on your budget than what should be. And a lot of times people will go, yeah, no, you're right. Like we need to, I mean, just find some kind of small amount to be able to do some of the basics. And I think that that's what we try to do is our job all day long is to meet companies where they're at. It's not about us coming in and saying, you've got to do this this way. If they can't handle it, we could go in and do all that great work, but then they're not going to execute on anything that we try to help them with. And then they're no better off than they were a couple of weeks before we got there. So I think it's just getting them to understand that it's an investment. I think a lot of people look at HR like it's, it's an expense. What, we're going to have somebody come in and help us with paperwork? No, 
it's not just paperwork. It's your culture. It's your team. It's your employees' well-being. It's great. You want to make X amount of dollars this year or serve this many people in the community. You can't do that without your staff, which means you got to invest dollars in it. So as far as like the companies and businesses you work with, is it normally like you start working with them and then that is a lifelong um, sort of relationship or is it a project type of thing? How does it usually go? It's different for all of them. I know that sounds like the (laughs) typical answer. So I'll walk you through a couple of scenarios. So a lot of the businesses that are smaller that start with us, say they're 10 or 15 employees, Um, they can either be comfortable with where they're at as far as HR is concerned, and we just stay on as their fractional partner for years. Um, More often than not, and what makes me really happy is when they outgrow what we do. So what we really are striving for is if they're 10 or 15 employees and they're growing and, and they're serving more people in the community or they're selling more of whatever their product or service is, our relationship with them just changes. So a lot of times what we do is we work ourselves out of a job, which is the great thing. So we get to help them think about their organizational structure. And what I mean by that is, is now they need a fully functioning HR department. And what does that look like? And sometimes we'll stay on from the standpoint of maybe we're that strategic higher level HR partner and we hire someone in our world that's kind of called a generalist. Mm -hmm. And they're doing a lot of the day-to-day. They've got more bandwidth to really engage on the employee well-being. They really get to know the team at an even deeper level than what our team has gotten to do. And then we're kind of more helping with some of those bigger picture strategic initiatives. So like, you know, maybe they're looking to expand into different states or they want to take on a different product line or service or, you know, maybe they're a Wake County nonprofit that wants to go and open up a branch in Buncombe. Like, what does that look like and how can we help? Um, So that to me is what gives me joy is that when they tell us they don't need us anymore and we've left them in a better spot than they were when we started. Um, And I'd say most of our clients are in that situation, but we've also had ones we've had for years. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's the sign of success, at least in my mind, is they politely kick you out the door and tell you they don't need you anymore, which means we've, we've done what we set out to do, which was to help them set up their infrastructure and find the right next person to help them lead them in the next phase of what their business is doing. Yeah, I mean, that in and of itself should show other businesses that you guys really can help them grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing HR for 20 years, you said. Yeah. <laughs> How would you say like the environment has changed, um, I guess, maybe across those 20 years, or even if you want to look more recently yeah. with the shift, a lot of these businesses now, smaller businesses are hybrid or even fully remote. How has that affected HR? Yeah, I know for sure. So not to date myself, but when I started working, like you couldn't even work from home. Like, And then we got VPN connections and everything else. So I think To answer your question, Nick, we went from work couldn't go home with us to work was done in the office when I first started working. And then the world has transitioned to, great, now you can work from home. 
which has its pluses and minuses, as we all know. Um, And then, you know, fast forward, we have COVID in the last couple of years. Even prior to that, you've had plenty of people that were already working remote anyway. And then you had the rest of the world that was thrown into that, whether they wanted to or not. And I think the biggest thing that HR has really had to work on is getting employees and also management team to understand that work is still not everything to everyone 24 7 365 days a year and i think i could get on a soapbox like i wish the states was better at it than other countries in the world it's one of those things that we still really struggle with because i think on one hand you've got a very driven societal culture that, you know, sometimes you work that much because you love it, and that's wonderful. But then on the other hand, you're working all the time, 24-7. So I think where I've seen our industry really evolve is to get everyone to understand that boundaries are an okay thing. Like, it's wonderful that you can take it home with you at night, but it's okay to say I'm going to leave it at the door and I'm not going to work when I get home tonight. On the other side, I think the other thing that I've even experienced is – people that want to do things during the workday, we didn't used to have that flexibility. Like that was a huge no-no. Like you can't dodge out. Like I was joking earlier, go get your hair done or go watch. If you've got kids at a event that you want to go and attend, like that was not part of the culture 20 years ago. Like you were expected to be at work. And if you had a doctor's appointment, that was about the only exception. So I think Seeing that shift has been a wonderful thing that people are more flexible, but with that flexibility too comes, let's keep it on 24-7. So there's just definitely not that delineation like there used to be. And everyone asks me, what can we do about that? So much of it's Mm self-regulation. And it's also support from your employer. People also mimic what you do. Like at personal story, I go out of town and out of the country on vacation. Yes, I'm a business owner. My email comes off of my phone. Mm -hmm. I do not keep it on my phone. But that comes from two places. I'm trying to practice what I preach because I expect my team to do the same. And I also trust my team. They've still got my cell phone number. They'll call me if the building is on fire. (laughs) But I think that's what we have to do. And when there's not enough support there, to think that way, that that's what's gotten us in trouble. So that's been the biggest shift is that whole proverbial balance word, but we don't know how to put up boundaries. And the only person that can put up a boundary is you. Yeah. Right. I mean, I can, you, your boss could tell you all day long not to work after five or six o'clock, but if you choose to do that, that's on you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard thing. Yeah. Well, and That makes me think it really kind of can be industry specific too. Like there are some jobs that are so good about leave at five, like leave at the time you're supposed to leave. Don't work past then, like don't work outside of your hours. And then there are some that like there's hustle culture still Mm -hmm. where like you have to do it to get ahead. And that's just the way it goes. I think of like consulting is a big part of that, I think. And maybe not y'all, but other consulting industries really, there's still like a big hustle scenario so how like how do you convince people to combat that when you're working with them so what's interesting is I was sharing my story and then you talked about consulting so it's (laughs) it's it's really interesting because one of the things that 
so I was a self-proclaimed workaholic until I went out on my own. Like seriously, I would give any company that I worked for in HR, like people would call me all hours of the night. Like, I mean, literally it was whatever it was going to take, I was going to do it. And I think when I went out and we started Edgebrook Lane, I wanted to shift the dynamic from the standpoint of everything's not on fire all the time. And so much of that is around setting expectations and communication. So we talk about the businesses that we work with. Part of our conversation right out the gate is, well, can I call you when there's an emergency? And I'm like, you absolutely can, but what's your definition of an emergency? And when they can't answer that question, everything's an emergency. So I think so much of what we try to do on the consulting side is to set that expectation. We are going to be your strategic partner. We're going to, but this is what it's going to look like. Unless someone's seriously hurt or something's really wrong, is there really a reason it can't wait till eight o'clock the next morning? And absolutely, we're going to have periods where things need to happen after hours. But you want that to be the exception, and you don't want that to be the norm. But again, that's back to setting expectations. And to be completely honest, we've walked away from working relationships that that's what they've wanted. We've said, that's not our firm. Mm -hmm. That's not us. Like, we'll gladly introduce you to somebody else that we think might be a better fit. But if that's the kind of dynamic that you want in a consulting firm, like that's not us. Right. But that was us being comfortable, like we talked about employment branding, us being comfortable with our sense of self. Yeah. Like we knew we could do what we needed to do and not be on call yeah. 24-7. Well, and that's interesting. You say walking away from opportunities to work yeah. with companies like that because I could see how – the whole hustle culture thing, a reason why they don't move away from it is like fear of losing out on yeah. money, opportunity, sure. growth, whatever. So like, I guess what would you have to say to someone who's that's their fear? I just think you've got to you've got to believe that the right thing is going to come along at the right time. And, and the thing I think that I've learned over and over and over again is if you say yes to the wrong things, you don't have the space to say yes to the right things. And and that is talk about, you know, boundaries and lessons learned. Like that is a very difficult thing when you first start out. It, we got pretty comfortable with that from the beginning that it was like, look, this is really what we need to do and how we need to do it. Another example, like, we're in with what we do from a relationship standpoint. So I joke all the time. I'll use my cliche friends. Like we're not, we're not HR phone a friend. We're not HR hat ad hoc. We are a very relationship driven consulting firm. We can't help you change your culture or improve your employees' well-being or help you manage the things that you want to manage if you call me three hours out of a month. At that point, we're in a firefighter stage, to kind of use that phrase, versus being a partner. Yeah. And if you really, really, really care about your business and your team, you're willing to engage in a relationship with us to be able to do that. And so I think it's just getting comfortable with who you are and just go, we're not everything to everybody, but the right thing will come along. And that is, it's a very hard thing um, to be able to do, but I think I just had to kind of stand our ground yeah. on that and be able to do that. And don't get me wrong, it stung when we lost 
some ones that we've wanted, but we've been better off for it. Mm-hmm. Or we wouldn't have had space for the right ones that came along later. Yeah. And maybe that was a wake-up call to them where this firm is telling me, like, that acts, like, will not work. Like, maybe I should consider a change sure. because they've mm-hmm. turned us away entirely. Right, Yeah. And I think you're right. We've had a couple of them that we've turned down and said, look, this is our model and how we work. If you change your mind or your business needs change and you want to re-engage in a conversation, let's do it. Um, or sometimes they go and find somebody that's willing to do it that way. And it was meant to be. I mean, you just kind of have to have faith that it's going to work out the way that it's supposed to. It just didn't work out the way that maybe you thought that it should. It's 